thing about being able to do this. Uh, I might mention that um, in, in some ways we've kind of fed off of each other, but in part, some of the inspiration for doing these kinds of things is what we do in Porto Alegre, Brazil, where every time I go, we'll take a three or four day holiday weekend and spend several hours every day studying. Marcus Fernanda from uh, Porto Alegre are here and be able to enjoy this study in English. Uh, usually in Porto Alegre we do those in Portuguese, so it's a little different uh, lingually. But uh, there's brethren all over the world that love to study the Bible. And they're excited about spending hours and hours and uh, there in Porto Alegre, brethren from various other states in Brazil come to participate in those studies because they want to do that because it's exciting. Just as people here have come, many of you got to get up really early this morning to uh, start on your journey. So I appreciate that. Um, chapter 7, uh, we've got the ark uh, back at, now at Kiriath-Jerim. And uh, that's verse 1. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, the time was long for 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This is a bad time. <coughs> Chapter 4 through 7-2 is a bad time for the Israelites. And uh, we can certainly see that and appreciate uh, what, uh, how, how far away they've come, how grievous this was, but things start looking up. So, chapter 7, would somebody read 3 to 6? Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Ashtaroth and served the Lord alone. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to you, pray to the Lord for you. They gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. They really need a spiritual reawakening. And Samuel reappears now. He speaks to all the house of Israel, telling them to do what? To just gather together. They'll pray for them. Yes. Do they need to do anything? Return to the Lord. Repent. This is a great passage to talk about how we come back to God. We need to return to the Lord with all our heart. It needs to be a wholehearted, complete, 100% turning back to God. Remove the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you. We need to take away the, the idols and the images. We need to take away. God is an exclusive, narrow-minded God. There's only one God. And anything that distracts us from God, Anything that we put above God, we need to take out of our lives. And direct your hearts to the Lord and serve Him alone. That's exactly what they needed to be doing. They needed to turn themselves back to God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what they do. They took the bales and the Ashtaroth away. The only way we can serve God is to get away from us the things that are taking the place of God in our life 
They come together, they pour water out and fast before the Lord and confess that they have sinned against the Lord. Before, they thought the way to have God with them was to bring the ark. Now they are learning that they've got to change their heart to have God with them, and that's what they do. Comments and questions through verse 6. Andrew. Um, when we read in um, chapter 6, um, verse 20, uh, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God, it made me think of Psalm 24 where David says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully. You need a pure heart in order to have a relationship with God. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we short-circuit that or think that's not that important. But he knows the heart and he demands all of it. Other thoughts? Yeah. You know, we can think about repentance as just saying I'm sorry and then not really doing anything about it. Just kind of let that sin continue to have a presence in our lives. But really when God calls us to repentance, he's asking us to start at the point that we won't ever do it like ever again. You know, you take those idols away. You don't just put them in the closet, you know, take out later. And, and that's what we've got to do. Sometimes we have a hard time being definitive in putting sin away. But that is exactly what must be Chris? It almost appeared that when they got the ark back that they had won and everything was okay. But here it's pointing out that that wasn't the case. So even with the ark, they were still being oppressed by the Philistines through that 20-year period. Yes, exactly. The ark's not the key. <laughs> Their faithfulness to God is the key. Okay. Well, 7 to 14. Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel had gathered to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them, so that they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, and pursued the Philistines, and struck them down as far as below beth -car. Then Samuel took a stone, and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel, Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. So there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. So Israel's gathered together. I wonder if the Philistines thought of that in itself as a threat. At any rate, they decide to mount an attack. The Israelites are afraid. And who do they turn to? Samuel. Samuel. And who do they ask Samuel to turn to? The Lord and pray for them so God would save them. Samuel took a lamb and sacrificed it. He cried out to God. The Lord answered him. The Lord thundered a great thunder, and the Philistines were defeated. 
and the Israelites conquered them. There's a couple of passages, Jeremiah 15 and Psalm 99, that specifically talk about Samuel interceding for the people, God hearing Samuel's prayers. And we can see some other times also in 1 Samuel, that Samuel was a man of prayer who cried out to God and God heard and listened to his prayer. So they were very, they were victorious. But when we're victorious, what do we always need to do? Thank God and praise God. So Samuel takes this stone and sets it up and names it Ebenezer. And this stone is going to be kind of a memorial stone, but why name it Ebenezer? Two reasons. Stone of help. It means stone of help. Who helped? God, exactly. And the first battle was at Ebenezer. So this is the second battle of Ebenezer. Now perhaps they were naming that, you know, because the, the name would later be given, I don't know. But at any rate, this, this stone will remind them. They depend on the Lord. God helped them. Praise God. They won the victory, and for a long period of time, the Philistines didn't mess with them. This gave a definitive victory for the Israelites. Not saying that never again, but for a long period of time, uh, Israel has peace. Comments or questions through verse 14? What's the point of the mention of the Amorites right at the end? Well, perhaps to show that they also had peace with the Amorites, so things were very calm and tranquil for them. The Amorites and the Philistines at this point might have been two of their greatest, <coughs> two of the closest nations to them. 15 to 17. Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He used to go annually on circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then his return was to Ramah, and his house was there, and there he judged Israel and built there an altar to the Lord. So Samuel during this period seems to have kind of a circuit where he judges and teaches and uh, always comes back to his hometown of Ramah. So things are good. This is a good period. For the Israelites, they're faithful to God, they've repented, Samuel is leading them, God is giving them victory and peace. Anything you want to say about chapter 7? Chapter 8, verses 1 to, let's do 1 to 6. 